we need to talk about investing. A beginner investor podcast from Charles Stanley. Welcome back to another episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. I'm your host, Erica White, and on today's episode, I'll be talking to CSD Chief Analyst Rob Morgan about all of the red that I'm seeing in my portfolio as of late. Because truthfully, I'm going to be super honest here, I'm trying my very best not to freak out with all the recent market volatility we've been witness to. Can he talk me off the edge? This is the question of the hour. Um, Stick around and find out. So to join me today to wade through what is seeming like a whole lot of chaos right now, we've got stock market guru and my very dear friend, Rob Morgan. Rob, as always, thanks so much for joining in here and for the expertise and I hope the calm that you'll be providing me in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. How's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Erica? All right? I'm okay. So honestly, I'm trying my best not to freak out. I know from advice in the past, you've told me to stay calm, stay level-headed, but honestly, my portfolio, which I do try my best to not look at at all over the past week or so has been looking pretty bad. Like I'm down hundreds of pounds right now. Can you tell me what is happening and if I should be freaking out? Yeah, stock markets do fall as well as rise. And we're seeing one of those episodes at the moment at the start of January 2022. Um, To set the context, we've obviously had a a really good run in markets over sort of 2020 and 2021, you know, coming out of the pandemic lows. And that's partly unraveled in 2022, not, you know, so far to an unusual degree. Uh, We've had a 10% 10% fall, or maybe 15% in sort of the US tech index, for instance. And the root cause really is kind of investors' perception of inflation and, and interest rates. So the fear of rising interest rates has gathered a bit of momentum. We've had the first meeting of the US Federal Reserve this year, and they've been much more hawkish in tone, meaning that uh, they're seen as being a little bit more aggressive in terms of putting up uh, interest rates further and faster than they did before. And that's got knock-on consequences for bond markets, bond yields rise, and that's had a knock-on in- impact onto equities as well. So I don't think it's a time to panic at all, but yeah, it- it's definitely a more difficult environment than what we've seen over the past couple of years. So just to timestamp this briefly, this is the first week of February that we're in right now. So I heard from somebody very knowledgeable that the stock market it can kind of be related to the human psyche. Like it's the sum of everybody's hopes, but also everybody's fears. Do you think it's fair to say that right now we're seeing more of the fear side? Yeah, most definitely. I think human emotion and sentiment plays a huge role in in what asset prices are doing, especially in the short term. So, you know, as people grow in confidence and asset prices rise, more people are tempted to buy in and you get a sort of, almost a gently rising market that feeds on itself. And then suddenly something happens and fear sets in. And that's when people start to say, hang on, you know what, this isn't good and panic and and sell out. And sometimes at the least opportune time, those sort of feelings of fear tend to feed upon themselves and create a, a sort of a destructive circle. And that that sort of human emotion tends to lead to kind of markets falling a lot more quickly than they than they rise so the rises tend to be a lot more gentle than the 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 falls the market saying is that the markets rise 
by walking up the stairs and then they fall by falling out the window. So that's kind of what you get with price action in markets. That's very typical. It's super interesting, Rob, because as I'm, you know, I'm maybe a year and a half into my investing journey and really coming from zero knowledge and kind of seeing these different inflection points as the calendar continues on has been really fascinating to kind of see the stock market almost again, like a human. And so, and it's interesting, it's so complex and there's a lot of psychology associated with it. So to see little elements like this, I'm finding super fascinating, although in this present moment, it does also feel terrifying to see all that red in my portfolio. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I think if you're a long-term investor, then you shouldn't get too caught up in the events of the day. And the problem, of course, is we have sort of 24-hour, minute-by-minute news coverage of 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 what markets are doing. And, you know, all that noise sort of tempts you into kind of thinking... I need to do something about this, but in I'm reality, losing everything. Sell it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, I think you probably do have to take a step back and say, well, what's my overall strategy? Have I got balance? Totally. And, you know, are the, are the sort of, you know, the drivers behind growth still there for the very long term? So, you know, five, 10, 15 years. So I think, you yeah, know, you can get caught up in the moment quite a bit and, and especially in regard to you know what we, we have seen some really big falls in technology stocks and things like that which are you know for the people who've had kind of slightly lopsided portfolios towards mm-hmm. sort of tech and growth stocks have been a bit of a rude awakening I, probably, I, I would suspect and you know it doesn't take much it doesn't take much a little bit of a fear over interest rate rises and we've obviously uh, currently there's a potential conflict in in Ukraine with Russian forces gathering on the border. So, you know, a couple of things knocking onto inflation, knocking onto interest rates rises, doesn't take much to generate mm-hmm. a kind of shift from hope to fear. But that, and that creates a lot of market noise. But, you know, the, the main thing is that you're in it for the long term and you're going to get periods of volatility like this. It's really common to have a 10% fall in markets. You should probably expect it uh, in more years than you don't get one. So I know you did touch on this a tiny bit there, but which areas are most affected by the uh, volatility right now? Can you just dive into that a little bit deeper? Yeah, sure. So in in a rising interest rate environment, which is what investors are uh, are fearing that we've got, we, well, we have got one, but we we don't know exactly how far they would go. I think there's about four hikes uh, this year that are, are penciled in. The, the consequence of that is that um, bond yields rise because they pay a fixed level of interest. They they need to rise to uh, to compensate investors for that uh, that higher level of, uh, of, of interest rates that you could essentially get on cash. That also feeds into the discount rate that's applied to equity valuations. So when uh, analysts calculate their uh, estimates of, of cash flows that companies are, are going to get, they apply what's called a discount rate, which is based on essentially a bond yield. So you've got a, a situation where those those cash flows are essentially worth a bit less the, the higher those, uh, those um, bond yields are. And that has a disproportionate effect on companies whose cash flows are further out and larger uh, in the future. So that means things like tech stocks, things like earlier stage companies, perhaps ones that aren't even profitable yet, that have yet to generate significant profits. Those are disproportionately affected versus companies that actually have greater cash flows in the near term. So investors are are more tended to favor companies 
with um, you know nearer term profits rather than ones further away, the higher interest rates are. So that favours things like you know commodities or banks or something like that, where you've got some visibility over cash flow and perhaps you've got a bit of protection as well with uh, against uh, inflation rising in the near term. So that's why we've got a shift. We've had a, a shift sort of starting November last year from you know broadly speaking growth stocks to value and that's reversed a trend that we've seen really for pretty much a decade now and we've had a big a big sort of rotation in markets so the other thing to consider is obviously earlier stage companies the more capital a company needs to to grow the harder it is to operate in a in a kind of rising interest rate environment because you're going to need to raise more money um, either through borrowing or, or, or equity raising in the future and so your cost of capital is going to go up. And they, so, so earlier stage companies tend to tend to find it a little bit more difficult. But, you know, on the other hand, growth and innovation doesn't just stop because mm-hmm. uh, interest rates are rising. Then there will be companies that prevail. But, yeah, the going's a bit tougher for companies that are at an early stage of their life uh, and the companies that are already kind of marginal in terms of their viability. So what you're saying here is that the, do you think that the unease that we're currently having is also linked to rising inflation? Because honestly, that's another element that is kind of stressing me out. Like the idea that like right now things are more, food's more expensive and living is more expensive and things are just like generally are feeling like they're kind of overcompensating for what had been going on in COVID. But is that, is that kind of accurate to say? The reason central banks are, are putting up interest rates is to combat inflation. So yeah. really, really quite lively numbers in terms of the inflation figures that are coming. Live, lively. That's a, <laughs> that's a nice <laughs> PR spin. Um, <laughs> to, to uh, everything getting more expensive. <laughs> everything's getting more expensive. <laughs> Love um, that. <laughs> it, it, it's... And, and we've not seen this for years. I mean, inter- inflation does has been creeping up. Uh, things are getting getting more expensive, but it's a bit sort. Of, it's a bit like the boiling frog in the in the saucepan. You know, it doesn't take any notice with a little bit of heat rise. But if you turn it up massively, it'll jump out. That's the kind of principle with inflation. And you know, the central banks have to jump on inflation and get it under control because it does undermine the economy massively. And 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 people are, are finding now that uh, obviously uh, rising energy bills, rising food prices. It's all oh my effective. God. Yeah, don't get me started on my energy bills in my house. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. And that's and that's what the central banks, when they're setting interest rate policy, will be looking at. Their narrative, to a degree, over last year, was was that it was transitory, that these numbers are going to roll off as um, as this kind of the effects of extra spending post pandemic and higher energy prices fall back into line, and if it's a bit stickier than that, if it's if it's going feeding into wages then inflation kind of sticks around for longer, then they're going to have to put interest rates up faster. So this is the real balance that's going on in markets at the moment. We don't know exactly how much they're going to put rates up by. And that's why, yeah, you know, uh, markets aren't sure about that. And that's why we've got this volatility at the moment. So yeah, inflation is really going to be the driver of, of interest rate policy. And we need to keep a very, very close eye on, you know, particularly kind of the, the wage inflation. But our, our base case at Charles Stanley anyway is that that these numbers do start to fall away during the course of this year. And that gives the 
central banks, the Fed and Bank of England, the opportunity to raise rates in a, in a, in a more gradual way and engineer a kind of soft landing that doesn't sort of tip us into uh, an economic downturn. So, so they for, to... forgive me, sorry, Rob, for kind of like, I'm trying, I'm closing my eyes, trying to paint this picture here for myself to make it make sense for somebody that doesn't have all the degrees and the accreditation that you have about the economy generally. But like the way that I'm seeing it is that like the economy is almost like this, it's like a giant spider web. And even if you just pull it like a little bit or a fly gets stuck in one portion of it, that then can shift every up so many other elements, even the elements that are on the opposite side of the spider web. Is that like an accurate kind of description? It's like a knock-on effect, right? So something happens in one place and then it affects this, which affects this, which affects that, which affects this other thing. And the next thing you know, I'm paying seven pounds for my latte. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of unintended consequences about the whole, the, the, you know, there's there's obviously unintended consequences of lockdowns, unintended consequences of, of, of where you put uh, interest rates. And that's the thing about economics, you know, it is sometimes a bit sort of butterfly effect, you know, there, mm. there's, something happens and that has knock-on consequences, you know, further down the line that you can't actually foresee, but it has a, it starts a kind of chain reaction. And we've seen that time and time again, really, over the, uh, and, and you don't um, necessarily, it's not necessarily apparent when something happens, what the, what the ultimate sort of outcome is. But I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's, it, it's so complex and it's very difficult for, you know, anybody to get their head around the entire economic consequences of everything. So you, you've just kind of got to stick to the, stick to what you can control at the end of the day and, and yeah. have diverse portfolio that gives you a, you know the opportunity to grow your money and, and meet your objectives but without sort of having exposing yourself to to a very large amount of risk so try and get as much right as you can without being absolutely wrong i think that's the the kind of key thing to to, to weather uh, as many eventualities as possible that's all you can do I don't want to blow this out of proportion. Open the Pandora's box here. Of, of... Yeah, I don't. I don't want to blow this out of proportion by any means. But like, in total transparency, this market volatility, so in combination with the inflation rates and everything else, is making me personally feel like something bad is on the horizon. You know, like mom and dad are fighting and they're about to get a divorce. Is there? You know, the saying. Obviously, there's no smoke without fire. Um, do you think there's reason to believe that there's possibly a risk? So I mean, again, I'm saying this with absolutely no experience and no credibility at all, but do you think that this lack of stability or whatever's happening is showing there could be risk of recession on the horizon? Or am I just no, being no, we, crazy? We don't think that's that likely. You can't rule anything out. That's the thing. I think you have to keep an open mind. But um, I think there's a lot to be positive about as well. And, and, and actually... You know, at the moment, we've got quite high levels of growth. We've got company earnings coming through, which are in the main, you know, really quite robust. And, you know, there's quite a lot to be positive about, actually. So, so yeah, I wouldn't get too caught up in that. And I, th I think that's also, you know, it's generated by the media as well. It's very, very easy to oh, for sure. write headlines of, of, that are negative versus ones that are sort of mildly positive. Yeah, the media um, loves drama, right? Or else they have nothing to report on. I think also, I think that's a little bit of a reflection of my age. 
So, I mean, I'm third, I just turned 31. And, you know, I lived through the recession 2008 and then everything else that's gone on in recent years. And so I think that people that are closer to my age are more likely to feel like a recession if we see anything bad, that a recession is about to happen because we've lived through a couple kind of like once in a lifetime economic events in our adult lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we, we also have the decline in markets, you know, pre kind of the pandemic really taking off. So, I mean, I, in, in my kind of career, I've had the three events which have been, I would say, seismic in terms of the level of markets going down, you know, like 30, 40, 50%. Mm-hmm. They are obviously very scary times. Are particularly- Which were what, like the, the dot-com bubble, that was the yeah, first. That would be the first one, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of 2000 and then that, that so that was- uh, when I was kind of cutting my teeth in the industry. But then the scarier one really was the 2008, 2009, when we had the banking crisis. And that really was quite scary indeed. Um, so I think, I think we're probably battle hardened from, from some of these events. And, and actually, you know, the last 10 years have been relatively benign. You know, we've had falling interest rates. We've had, you know, good level of, of, of economic growth in a pretty, pretty benign situation. We are sort of moving into a little bit more more, more challenging times but I don't I don't think there's um you know too much to uh, to worry about if you've got your eyes on the on the horizon and um a suitably long time frame obviously if you if you're looking to you know trade in and out and make a quick buck which is which I think is really a kind of hiding to nothing but you end up getting sort of caught up in these things but actually you can turn it to your advantage if there's volatility anyway so you know it's a chance to to, to buy into assets when prices are lower so that's a great segue to my final question then I'll let you go Rob I wanted to ask you what do you think I should be doing about my portfolio right now and how do you think I should be making the most of what's going on in the markets yeah I mean I think probably the default for most people is to do nothing so you know no matter what people you might be following on social media or you know <laughs> actively encourage kind of trading in and out and all that sort of stuff I think you probably just need to to sit on your hands especially I mean if you've got a, a, a diverse portfolio that's mainly funds you know you've got a lot of diversification hopefully you've got different styles of funds which are which are doing different things at different times and not overly reliant on one manager or one type of uh, type of asset um then you know you should be well well set so you know don't don't get too caught up uh in the noise and 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 stick to your your strategy if you're if you're happy with it and yeah like i say you know you can turn volatility into into advantage i mean quite often you know if we do get you know even more of a downturn than we've already got it could be a chance to to lock into some some really attractive assets for the longer term and that's when you can you know, take advantage if you've got cash to to obviously deploy during those times. So, you know, it takes the stress out of investing when you know you if you if you're investing regularly. So, setting up a direct debit into into some funds. Dollar um, cost averaging. Yeah, exactly. It's it. You know that that as a strategy never goes out of fashion. That's going to t- stand the test of time and, and and stand you in good stead. You know, again, provided that you're time horizon is suitably long so yeah that's probably the path to go down just keep investing keep investing through thick and thin because we are going to get you know good times and and bad times um i suppose you know there's there are going to be people who have 
seen a, a lot more volatility perhaps they had been ready for in their portfolio. You know, you do get that after a sudden market turmoil, after a, a calm period that we've seen. Maybe your portfolio is all facing in one direction in terms of the style and the and perhaps a, a, you know the, the growth orientated nature of the portfolio. You know, it's time to take stock, you know, and, and make sure that you've got a sort of well-rounded portfolio, I think, which um, striking the right balance between sort of risk and reward. Don't get uh, too aligned to, to one area. Don't have all of your everything on one side of the boat. I think those are the sorts of things that, that people need to need to think about, but not actually worry too much and actually, you know, look to the long term and make sure that their portfolio is, is set up for that rather than worrying about the very short term. Because I, I don't I don't think we can probably second guess exactly what's going to happen in the, the next sort of weeks and months. But you know, further out you can be you can be much more much more positive. Absolutely. So what you're telling me basically Rob is to chill out right <laughs> yeah i mean i think uh i think the default is is generally to do nothing to you know out, and, yeah and that isn't being lazy it's kind of it's sensible and the hardest thing is sometimes to do nothing um but um as long as you you've set up a, a well diversified portfolio then that's usually the best course of action really but you know for what it's worth it's it's probably going to be a, a more tricky year than what we've seen for the past couple of years that's evident in in what's happened in january so yeah i think i think um you know use that to your advantage over the long term thank you so much as always for your expertise and on today's podcast particularly just talking me off the edge so <laughs> i appreciate you as always and thank you so much for everything it's a pleasure thanks very much we need to talk about investing Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. I'm Erica White. And just a little reminder before you go, um, we are hosting a webinar. So it's about everything you need to know about the upcoming tax year end, which is fast approaching, believe it or not. So it'll be happening this upcoming Wednesday, March 9th at noon. So it'll be less than an hour, super quick. From start to finish, you can pop in on your lunch break. We've got tons of fun and informational stuff planned, along with some very special guests who can answer any questions that you may have. So if you want to sign up, please do go ahead and head to our website to register, or you can just visit our Instagram for a direct link to the sign up page. We'll see you guys there. We need to talk about investing. A beginner investor podcast from Charles Stanley. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not a reliable guide to the future.